It's time to start the podcast. It's time to hit the mics. It's time to start the podcast with Moon, P. Jug, and Hob. This is the 21st podcast of Moon, P. Jug, and Hobbs. 21 podcasts. We've covered a lot. We've tr- covered, I keep telling you what we covered every week. You, yeah. you already know what we covered. You've been listening, right? <laughs> if you haven't been listening, what the hell? Why should I have to tell you what we've been talking about? Just listen to the show, would you? It's on every Friday, Tom Bernard Network, Spotify, Apple Music. You can find us. Go to Google. If you Google anything in life, like what is the size and circumference of the left testicle of a gnat in India, it will know. (laughs) What's the answer? It's two centimeters. That's big for a gnat. That's right. Yeah, that gnat's (laughs) a swinging. I had a problem this morning with my testicles, and we could go into that. You know, it seems that we've talked about my junk quite a bit in the last couple episodes, too. Maybe that's why nobody's listening. And this we, who is this other person? It's been you talking about it. Yeah, well, and my wife, she brought it up, so to speak. Anyway. (laughs) Oh, God. P-Jug, how you doing? Doing good. P-Jug here. P-Jug here. She likes to say that every time. And then Hobbs, something happened last night. What was it? Oh, well, I mean, it's not that interesting, but I was uh, invited. Um, I was recruited almost to become a Rotarian. Do you know what a Rotarian is? From the Rotary Club? Yes. Really? I figured you would know about, I figured if anybody would know about what goes on behind closed doors at a Rotary function, it might be you. Well, yeah. And I was a member of the Kiwanis Club. Were you, now, what is now? Do they just save koalas? I've never understood what they do. <laughs> it's Kiwanis. Yeah, what's a Kiwanis anyway? I know we used to go to parades and stuff and throw candy, and that was really all I cared. And you get $3 milkshakes at the state fair. Uh, that other voice you're hearing, that would be my friend Chopper Ron. Hey, Ron. Hey, I do have to make a disclaimer uh, that I have no affiliation with CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. I am not a politician, and I don't work for the IRS. I thought I, 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 I thought I'd throw that out just in case so we don't lose a lot of the listeners right off the bat. Oh yeah, because who wants to get an audit right away after listening to Moon P Jug and Obs? Ron and I met a long time ago. It was strange. I had ridden a motorcycle since I was old enough to stand up, pretty much. And Ron, when did you start riding? You know, I started riding when I was seven years old. And here in Minnesota, you need a endorsement on your Minnesota driver's license in order to legally ride. And so you got to go to school for that in class. And that's smart because people need to know, especially motorcycle riders, how dangerous it is. Being a, a cycle rider, a biker, if you will, helps you to become a much better car driver because you pay attention. You know, when you're on a bike, if a cat runs out in front of you, that could be the end of your life, right? So you got to watch for anything, cracks in the roads, little pieces of dirt, whatever. Uh, But Ron and I were out at this class in Dakota County. We were sitting in this classroom, and, uh, you know, we were almost like the class clowns. Uh, There was a male teacher and a female teacher, and it was obvious that the two did not like each other. Uh, but Ron and I took a liking to one another. The next thing you know, we have our motorcycle endorsements. We're riding. Uh, I have a V-Star Yamaha 1100. Ron at that time had a beautiful uh, Harley. It's called a Road King. And later he ended up getting the 25th anniversary of the Road King. And that thing is sweet. But uh, we started riding. And we added a couple of guys in our group from the radio station. The next thing you know, we come up with a group called the Wild Boars. That's what it was like the movie The Wild Hogs, only with the Wild Boars. We took our Ambien at nine o'clock and we're out. And these guys wanted to go riding. Oh, God, first thing in the morning, like, well, hit the bike at seven o'clock. And the Boars is B O R E S. Yeah, and, and you know, I got to say one thing, Moon, that I think was the best thing of motorcycle riding with that group was that we just didn't love the love for motorcycles. I mean, we really liked each other a lot. We ended up being great friends and all of us, and we rode and we rode hard and we had great times and, and we all had different bikes. And I think that made it interesting too. But I think the main thing is, is that we built that friendship up and we still have that friendship with the riders. And it's more than just 
about motorcycle riding. It's about actually riding with friends. And some of the places we rode were unbelievable. We went to the Smoky Mountains and we stayed in a town called Townsend, Tennessee. It was just a little dot in the road, but it was right at the mouth of the Great Smoky Mountains. Right nearby, there's a road called the Tail of the Dragon. The Tail of the Dragon is considered the Super Bowl of motorcycle riding. It has 318 turns, and I believe it's 11 miles. In Tennessee, we saw black bear. We saw wild turkey. We saw deer. The stuff we saw on the road when we went to Wisconsin, we went to Door County, and then we went to Green Bay, home of Lambeau Field. And Ron did something at Lambeau Field on Family Day that I couldn't imagine. Uh, On Family Day, all of the players from the Packers come out, and the kids from the neighborhoods get to come by and play catch with, like, Aaron Rodgers. Wouldn't that be cool if you were a kid? And they do this each year. And uh, so we're parked at Lambeau Field. Ron goes to the top of the steps. The next thing you know, I see him on Family Day with thousands of kids running around drop his pants all the way down to his ankles, and then he slides his bare ass, his anus rubbing against the handrail all the way down, all the way down the handrail. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, what the hell is he doing? It's family day, right? You got to remember something. I was cursing that stadium. I'm a big oh, Dallas Cowboy fan. Oh, I we, thought you were a Vikings fan. Uh, big Dallas oh, Cowboy like- fan. And, and I was cursing that stadium. And I'm telling you what, it hasn't worked. But, hey, it doesn't mean we didn't try. <laughs> That's right. And, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, what am I witnessing and why is this happening to me now? I'm thinking we're going to jail. Earlier on that same trip, check this out. On our way to Lambeau, I got lost in Green Bay. And so I pulled over to ask for directions. And there was a business that had a lot of cars there. So I just went walking in, not knowing what kind of business it was. God, turns out I walk into a funeral, right? It was a funeral home. And here I am with my helmet on. And I come walking in. And they're all looking at me like, what the hell is your problem? How did you here? not know it was a funeral home? What do you just you just saw cars? It was a building. Like what <laughs> how did you miss that? I have no idea, but I waltzed right in. You remember that? That was yeah, yeah. I think you were trying to get directions. We were trying to get directions somewhere. And you are, and here you are, you're walking into this funeral home. <laughs> but you know, Moon, I think one of the most memorable times is when you said we went up toward Green Bay and went up toward Door County. And I'll never forget you wanted to hit a fish boil. You know, that was important to you is to hit a fish boil. So sure enough, we're up there on a Friday night and we get to this place. There's a sign out up front and it's saying fish boil. So we get up there and we go inside and we're lucky enough. They got room for four or five more of us. And so we go sit at this table and they got this great big pot sitting outside on these great big giant flames. And I don't know if the listeners or any of y'all know what a fish boil is, but they take uh, up from Lake Michigan and they'll take this big white fish and it's a greasy fish and they'll throw it in this big pot. They'll throw in potatoes and they'll throw in corn on the cob and they'll boil it up. And right before the fish gets done, they'll kind of tip it over a little bit and the grease from the fish goes on the fire and it just flames up and then they take it off and they bring it inside and dump it on this table and then you get this great big fish boil well we're sitting there we're eating this fish and there was a group of of elderly ladies i would say, I say that in the means of them they were probably 80 years old the youngest one they were with a bridge club from michigan and so we're sitting there and we're talking and we we have our chaps on. It was getting chilly and we're looking at these clouds coming across Lake Michigan there. And I mean, it's it, it it's looking bad. The fog's rolling in and we're all thinking, we got to get out of here, guys. Let's hurry up. Let's eat. Let's get on the bikes. We got to get back to Green Bay. So we're sitting there and this lady comes up and she taps me on the shoulder and I got my chaps on and I was in pretty good shape. Used to do some bodybuilding. And she says, hey, can I get my picture taken with you? So I said, sure. <laughs> So she so she comes over, she kind of holds on to me and she she gets this picture taken. I kind of give her a little kiss on the cheek. Well, 
every single girl at the table, and there had to be <laughs> 10 to 12 wanted their pic picture taken. So we're sitting there, and I got to go around the table and put put my, my cheek next to their cheek and take a picture. <laughs> and so the guys are saying, come on, let's go, let's go. We got this, 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 this clouds coming in and the fog rolling in. And so then we're finally, I said, girls, I really got to go. So then we take off, we're outside, we're getting ready to get on the bikes, and one of the girls come out and say, said, hey, we didn't get your name. So one of the guys says, it's Chopper Ron. And then all of a sudden we take off and driving, just like in the movies, buddy. <laughs> I love that story for a lot of reasons, because mostly it wasn't people lining up to take a picture with Moon for once. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, check this out. So we'd been riding the bikes uh, all through the upper UP of Michigan. We were going to put the bikes on a ferry and go uh, across the big lake from Ludington, Michigan, to Manitowoc, Wisconsin, home of Stephen Avery. That's that Badger. That's the last uh, coal-burning uh, ferry on the waters right now. Uh, we bought our tickets to go the next day, and uh, we're on our bikes, and it is pouring rain. So we try to get into our hotel room, and we all go into one room because we're going to order pizza. We were all, like, soaking wet, taking shirts off, blah, blah, blah. Here comes our pizza, and the delivery young guy was maybe 18, 19 years old. Well, what had happened was one of the guys in our group was kind of a joker, and he had set on my luggage all of these gay porn magazines. <laughs> this young pizza delivery man walks into a hotel room with all these guys in their leather chaps and, <laughs> and the gay magazines, right? And he thought he was <laughs> walking into a love nest. Did he ask for his picture with Chopper Ron at that point as well? No. Yeah, we asked him. He just set the pizza down. He went out that door. We said, hey, hey, how about a tip? He didn't want a tip. He didn't want nothing. He's, you saw us half-naked guys. He didn't want nothing to do with us. <laughs> He's like, I've seen this movie. I know yeah. how it goes for the pizza guy. Actually, speaking of gay, earlier in the podcast, don't remember which episode, uh, we had on from the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, Sister Tasha Salad. And uh, that is a drag nun name uh, for a benevolent group and a fun group. That would be Ron's son. And uh, Ron, you didn't know that, that that's Tasha Salad's dad, right? No, I think you told me that. And then I forgot. I think you mentioned that to me when we were off the, the, the podcast air, when we did that episode. Yes. That's my youngest. Oh, yeah. I love it. That was a fun show. Oh, he's a great kid. He's, he's he's great with the community. He's great with his friends and family. He's just a good kid. I saw pictures of him at the game at Allianz Field. Yes, they loved it. They got they got season tickets. They love the game. They love the game of soccer. Neither one of them are really into the football part of it, but they do they do support the Minnesota uh, teams, local teams here. Even the even the Vikings, they support the Vikings, the Twins, the Wild. You know, they're big Minnesota. When did your son come out? At what age? Yeah, probably around 16. And then uh, you have another son as well. Yes, a married son, two kids, uh, but uh, two younger ones right now. And yes, so two kids. Ron has also, over the course of his lifetime, taken care of his family uh, to a degree that most couldn't even attempt. And he took care of his father until he passed. He took care of his mother. I mean, how many times have you been down this trail? A lot. You know, I think anybody that that caretakes for a loved one or, or even not a loved one or even does any type of caretaking, it's a special it takes a special person. And uh, we, we, we always made a commitment, my wife and I of 37 years uh, that we would always take care of our kids, our kids and our, and our parents. So uh, we take care of my mother and father when she passed away with cancer. We bought a home for him right around the corner from us here where we could take care of them. And now I take care of a disabled brother and sister that live there. And I take care of my mother-in-law that lives with us right now she had a brain aneurysm about 10 years ago so she lives with us and we caretake for her and it's, and it's a blessing we, we we really am fortunate that we can do that and one of my favorite stories about ron is his last name is Moore, and his brother who he's talking about uh you know helping with you know some of his health related issues his name is less Moore. <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were gonna say roger Moore. no oh, big bond fan 
you know, it's kind of funny, you know, less more. And uh, if you go back to Tombstone back in Arizona, they have back there the old on the old Tombstone. Here lies less more four slugs with a 44. No less, no more. So uh, he always went wanted to get his picture taken there. So he goes to the old to Tombstone and lays in front of that uh, <laughs> that cemetery and gets his picture taken there. So he loves it. And he's a, he's a great brother, probably one of the best brothers a guy could ever have. And then there's the story of, you know, Chopper Run's sister. This was crazy. She got hit by a car. Yeah, she was over in Burnsville, and uh, this happened about probably 15 years ago. She was in her, in her probably, I'd say, mid-40s, uh, very successful. And she was in the crosswalk at a Cub Food, and uh, the, the older gentleman had had went to put on the brakes and hit the gas and she flew over the car and had uh, just numerous, numerous surgeries on her neck and back. And till finally her heart just gave out and uh, they couldn't continue to do the surgery. So she's in constant pain. They can't do surgery for her. Again, it's, she's blessed and we're blessed to have her. And so it's one of those things that, you know, there's, there's other people in this world that are probably a lot, lot worse off than they are. And uh, it's just something that you deal with and, and, and you move on day by day. Okay. So imagine him just telling a little bit of how he takes care of his family and his people. Uh, tell him about your tat. You know, I, I designed it. I waited many years and I, I kind of wish my kids and my grandkids, would have, my older grandkids would have waited to get tattoos, but you know how that is. So, uh, but uh, I got a tattoo and it's a old Atlas and the Atlas is kneeling down. He's, he's of age and he's holding the earth up and, and above the earth, it says with pain comes strength. And, and I wanted to tell a story of my life. And so I had put that on there because I always felt that I always had this great big burden on my shoulders. Not that I, I regret it by any means, but I always had this, this, this big burden on my shoulders to take care of family. So, so here's, here's the old Atlas on one knee and he's got the earth up there. And then in the earth, there's two silhouettes of a male and a female to, resemble part of the earth inside like land and it you can tell their silhouettes and they're of grandparents and 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 grandmothers and grandfathers that i had lost and then in the pillars i have pillars coming down like roman pillars and in the bottom of the pillars it's uh it's all um uh, roman numerals has all the grandkids and kids birthdays and our anniversaries and then on the other side of the pillars there's uh, uh the Dallas Cowboys five Super Bowls because I'm a big Cowboy fan. So. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of just tells a, a, a story about about the family, and I kind of wanted to to tell a story about me. And I'm not. My wife keeps reminding me that I'm not done yet because I've had two more grandkids that I gotta get the Roman numerals put on them. But I'm out of pillar room on the right side, but on the left side, I left room for Dallas Cowboy Super Bowls. But the wife says they're not going to win another Super Bowl, so put the grandkids on that side. So, <laughs> she's not a Cowboys fan. She's a big Steelers fan. Big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I shouldn't shouldn't have married her, but hey, you know what? You, you, you live and learn. <laughs> Ron, I agree with your wife. There's no room. You put the grandkids on there. You don't need it. You don't need the real estate, babe. Yeah, don't need the real estate. Put the grandkids on. I don't do. That's why I don't have a Vikings tattoo. It, this is the year. This is the year. Our quarterback Kirk Cousins and the number one receiver Adam Thielen neither vaccinated they're now saying okay how many games does a player have to set out or how many days you know the whole you know fda blessing now in a general way the pfizer drug and, and now there's going to be work mandates everywhere i mean people are starting that all over the place uh this is the thing that freaked me out the other day and i think it made a pretty loud statement it happened in the great state of florida uh you know home of all things covid the other day in Palm, uh, Florida, uh, what happened was the doctors left the hospital in the middle of a shift and they just walked out like 15 or 19 doctors and they said, look, we have no resources. We have no staff. We're all exhausted. And every single patient that we've taken in is unvaccinated, every single one of them. And we're done with it. And until people help us, we can't we can't do it. And, you know, if you're already in the hospital at that point and the doctors pull away, I mean, I'm sure the hospital system had to bring others in to replace them uh, because they couldn't just let people die. But, God, you know, I had my third shot now. I did have a little reaction, nothing major. 
about three hours of feeling gross. I don't leave the house much. So that's a good thing. And hopefully, you know, uh, everybody is going to be over this thing. Dr. Fauci was talking about February of 2022. He said, if everybody gets vaccinated, February of 2022, we should have a pretty good handle on this thing. Agree or disagree? Uh, you know, I'd like to start off by saying just one thing. I'd like to do a shout out to all the healthcare workers and the first responders and everybody that's put an endless, endless hours, has put their families, you know, uh, on a side burner to help every one of us. And just a big shout out to thank you, every one of them. I know your listeners probably, and you guys all feel the same way, you know, they're, they're done yep. tireless work. And, and, we're, and, and, and I think every one of us are very, very proud of them. So hats off to them. And thank you, every one of you health workers for all you do for us. I loved it in New York when everybody came out at a certain time and cheered for the healthcare mm-hmm. workers. That was monumental. Mm-hmm. Well, my girlfriend is a nurse uh, anesthetist. And so when you get COVID and you are in ICU, I don't think people realize how awful a ventilator is. Like, and they have to actually like basically paralyze you to get that thing in it. And then they also don't want you moving around. So you're basically paralyzed. Think about that. Think about how unpleasant that is. I mean, just, and really, and you don't, but you don't want to get shot in the arm once or twice you know, or possibly three times. And as far as to bring it back to football, if these guys show up on the field without being vaccinated, I think that's breach of contract. And see ya. You know what? You can do whatever you want, but you're affecting other people and their livelihood. And there are plenty of young men and people that would love those opportunities. And if you're just, you know, I, I just I don't have any patience for it anymore. And it's been so politicized right now. And I think that that this is where it has to end. I yeah. think we I think we have to stop this politicizing this and and realize what it really is. And it's and it's a pandemic. And it doesn't matter if you're if you're a basketball player, if you're a football player, you need to start thinking about your family, your players, uh-huh. your fans, because without the fans, you're not going to be playing football because that's what pays your salaries by advertisements and everything else like that. So I think it's about time that 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 everybody gets together stop politicizing this and, and, and just do the right thing you know if you if you can get vaccinated then you should be vaccinated you know simple as that i've been vaccinated i, I i've got moderna i've had it twice and i'm looking forward to the booster shot that's that's all i can say and that and that i'm i'm, I'm, I'm supportive of it because I, I think it means a lot well, and what would happen if something happened to you? You just gave us the list of all the people you're taking care of. You're absolutely correct. And I don't think a lot of these young football players are thinking about that. They're not thinking about the coaches uh, when they go home and to their to their kids and their, their kids go to school. And then they give it to some other kid. And that kid goes see grandma. And then grandma passes away. And, and, and then the heartbreak that that family has to yeah. go through. It, 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 it's, it's This is a big thing here. And I think people need to kind of just step back a little bit and just start listening and, and let's get the facts and, and and let's start moving forward with making the right decisions. We had visitors uh, in from Texas this past week and my son was supposed to have a uh, going away graduation party kind of a thing, but COVID, he got COVID. So we had to cancel the thing. Uh, there were some stragglers that did want to still get together and it was nice to see some people, but I was socially distanced. There's people that wanted to hug me and I'm like, I love you too, but just stay the f- away from me. <laughs> right? Delta variant. The thing's wicked. It's spreading like wildfire. Uh, and we got to really think about that. Enough on the, on the uh, vaccine. We got to get back to football because this Saturday is the beginning of college football. And I love college football. Uh, the way the season's starting, my team, Nebraska Cornhuskers, play Illinois in Champaign, Illinois. Now, they were supposed to kick off the season in Ireland. Now, why the Irish want a Nebraska football game against Illinois over there? I guess there's a way to make money. And when you grew up, you grew up in Tucson, Arizona. You know, I did. I grew up in Tucson in the 60s. Back then, you didn't. Uh, Arizona didn't have a pro team, so you either followed San Diego Chargers, you either followed the Rams, or you followed Houston Oilers, the old Houston Oilers, or Dallas Cowboys. Because every divisional games, they always show the divisional games, so they always show the Dallas Cowboys. So I ended up just falling in love with the Dallas Cowboys, Roger Staubach days and stuff, and when they were battling in you know their divisions and Super Bowls against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and so. 
so football was a real big thing. And, and I can understand why some, some college states that don't have a pro team follow college teams to a T because they don't have pro teams and we never had a pro team. I don't know how my brother ended up being a Detroit lion fan from all that, <laughs> but he is a Detroit lion fan. Both P jug and Hobbs are Vikings fans. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, when I grew up, I was in Nebraska. Our closest NFL franchise was Denver, the Broncos. So, you know, eventually I ended up you know, moving to Denver. I became a hardcore Broncos fan. I was back in the John Elway days. It was easy to love the team because they were amazing. And, you know, they had a lot of superstars and it was a lot of fun to watch. When I moved up here, I bought tickets for the Vikes in the Metrodome. Uh, there was somebody that had some for sale, uh, two really bad tickets in one of the end zones way up at the top. But I will say that after two weeks of people being so drunk that they didn't even know who was playing, uh, all in my section, a couple of fistfights broke out. I drug my son out of the beer in the fistfights, and I said, that's it for the Vikings tickets. And I had this friend, and he was a Packers fan, and he asked me to come over and watch games with him. So, I mean, it was fun to watch. They were a good team. And over the years, you know, I've always been a college fan first and NFL fan second. My favorite NFL team at the minute is probably the Vikings or the Packers, either one. But I'll tell you what, I have had a love affair with Tom Brady for my, for God, 15 or 20 years, right? The guy's a superstar. And uh, what does he do first year after going to a new team? He wins the Super Bowl right out of the chute. First year, the guy is amazing. Do I think he needs to retire? I just would hate to see somebody that had that much success end up with a permanent disability from getting hit. He's protected by angels. I don't know what he did in a past lifetime. <laughs> But he is surrounded by angels. You know, what makes a good a good quarterback, and I think all of us football fans will agree with that, is that the homework. You know, and Brady's one of these guys that will go do the homework. And it's not just reading the defenses and watching the films. It's also, when I say homework, it's also the training and it's also the diet. That guy looks as probably as good as he did when he was in high school. You know, and I don't think there's one girl out there and half the guys that don't think he, this guy looks great, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, I mean, he is. He's, he's just a great athlete. and He's intelligent, smart. Uh, he knows how to read the defenses, like you say. And I and back now to the Dallas Cowboys, you know, I always have hope for them. Um, I know injuries hurts any team. And with the salary caps, there's a lot of issues and problems with these teams coming up and building in, in one and two and three years. And us as, as fans, we all want our team to win the Super Bowl every year. And it's it just not going to happen. Um, I think Dallas has some superstars. And if they play to that level, you have Prescott, you have uh, Ezekiel Elliott, you have Lamb, you have Cooper, you have Gallup. You have all, those, are, those are your five key players on your offense. And, and these people, have to show up and they got to play like star players i think the problem is that we don't have no defense again this year you gotta you gotta have that combination if you go back to the like you said the old elways and and broncos and the old chicago bears you know which made a lot of these teams very successful the steelers they had great defense great offense and dallas cowboys this year doesn't have the defense i'm afraid so i i think we'll probably win our division and maybe win 10 games but besides that i don't think we're going to go much further this year so go by Vikings. Have you be ever been to the stadium in Dallas, the new stadium, Ron? You know, I haven't. I went to the old stadium, and it's funny. My my sister in law got married to a guy from Texas, and we went down there for the for the wedding. and And of course, I've, I've I lived in Waco, Texas, for a year, so I kind of like the Texas area. And uh, so we went there. We and, and we went there for the wedding, and and I was really excited because the groom had Dallas Cowboy tickets. And so we went to the game. They were playing Seattle Seahawks and it happened to be when, yeah, Emmett Smith, when he ran, when he broke the record. Oh yes. And and so we were there. And so my wife, we, we had four seats, but two seats were lower, two seats were higher. So, so the girls let us guys take the lower seats because we we're big Cowboy fans. And, and so my wife come down and she brought me a, the nice hat and the shirt for, for Emmett Smith breaking the record, you know? So at the old stadium, I thought it was really great. It was really showing his age at that time. Uh, so I think the new stadium is awesome and hats off to, to the owner, Jerry Jones there for being able to come up with that money and not have to hit the taxpayers and everybody 
everybody else and to donate and everything else. They did a great job. So uh, I think it's great that these owners are putting up new stadiums. I just hope that a lot of them start dishing out their own money and instead of hitting the taxpayers for them. I know that the new Vegas stadium looks interesting and we stayed in Vegas a few blocks away. We didn't get a chance to see it, you know, a game there, but I can't think of a thing that I would rather do than to fly to Vegas. You could go to, to a hockey game uh, now in that same area, the two stadiums very close to each other right there on the strip. So, I mean, how cool is that? Uh, I love going to life sporting events you know what I would like to do is go to Huntington Bank Stadium, which used to be known as TCF Bank Stadium. I've been there many times for college football, but uh, the very first game for the Minnesota Golden Gophers at home, Ohio State. <laughs> oh, God. But I'd love to go. The weather's going to be nice. And, and here's another thing that I'm a little freaked out about. Okay, football stadiums hold like – for example, down on the U campus, that one's at about 45,000. The new, uh, you know, Viking Stadium, that's in that 65 to 70,000. Okay. So you think about the COVID protocols for that kind of event. Are you going to have to have a vaccination? Are you going to have to have a negative test to get in? Is there going to be social distancing? There can't be. No. If you look at the Minnesota <laughs> State Fair, okay, we've got people that I know that work there that absolutely adore the fair and they would do anything to go to the fair. They're not going this year because there's no mass mandate. There's no vaccination update at the fair. An average day might be between 150 and 200,000 people more on the weekends. If 1% of those have COVID right. And they're unmasked. Good luck. And I think that they've done nothing to protect anybody. I think that's kind of sad almost. Remember when we were all panicked and they were thinking about maybe there was going to be some kind of a minor shutdown because it was swine flu. Yep. Do you remember that? That was when they first installed all the hand sanitizers and like, make sure you don't pet all the animals in the barn and then like lick your fingers, you know what I mean? <laughs> With your ice cream cone. But I mean, I don't think hand sanitizers are going to cut it. I think that's just going to be a, a fiasco and, and I'm sure we'll get the numbers down the road there a little later, but you know, Hey moon, I, I had a couple of funny stories. Do you guys want to hear it about the old Metrodome? Sure. You know, I, I, I liked the Metrodome. I thought it was a great place. I loved when you went out those doors and the wind blew yeah. you and it just <laughs> blew your hair everywhere. You had to hold on to small children in your oh, hand. Yeah, they get those doors out. would open and yeah. yeah. They're falling out. They're going to get trampled because all the drunks running out, stepping on it and stuff. <laughs> and all but uh, now my my son uh, went to Lakeville North. They were doing fundraisers, and so at that time, uh, parents volunteered at the dome to work a couple of the concession stands. Well, I'm sitting at this concession stand and didn't really want to be there, but uh, volunteered with my wife, and so we're sitting there and they're selling hot dogs, and the game's about over. Well, the person comes out from the back. And, you know, those dome dogs, how good those dome dogs are, you know. The guy says, okay, start unwrapping the dome dogs. And I'm thinking, well, like, are we going to have, a, like, a dog-eating contest or something here? And, and no, they strip the bun. They throw the bun away. They take the hot dog, the dome dog, and stick mm -hmm. it in a pail of water, and they use oh, yeah. it for the next game. That's a good dog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, mean I, I was kind of shocked, you know, not knowing kind of what behind the scenes, you know. Oh, <laughs> and, oh my gosh. So, so my recommendation is if you get a dome dog or a dog, make sure you wait until, you know, it, you know maybe the second half or something so you don't get one, <laughs> one, oh. one, of, the, one of the chosen dogs. And, and the second story. I got in that dome. Uh, we owned a business, a rental company. And uh, so we had the contract with the twins and stuff. And we did stuff for their, uh, their, a lot of their home games. And they, they used to have games where at uh, the Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts after the game, when everybody departed, they would have the Girl Scouts and Boy, or, or Boy Scouts come out on the field and sleep with their sleeping bags. And we'd come up and bring out all the entertainment and put it up there. Well, one time we were going out there to set up and the bread company had came. And if you knew the old dome, you had to go down this, this big back dock area. And I'm back there and I'm, and I'm backing our truck up. We have this like semi-deal full of equipment. And so we're backing it up and I'm, and I'm looking and there's literally 50 to 60 racks of buns 
I mean, like hot dog buns. I mean, just racks and racks and racks. And I'm looking, and here's these two squirrels are sitting on the top, just ripping <laughs> all of these, these bags. And they're just, and they're eating, and they're eating these buns. And I'm telling, I'm just, I'm just laughing so dang hard. So, so those are my, two, those are my two dome stories. I know that when uh, you have to go down that ramp Ron was talking about, it's like a loading dock. It's kind of steep. That stadium was built, and it was a big deal at that time. The Houston Astrodome was the first dome of its kind. Then they built the Metrodome after that, so they had at least a little experience as to what to do when you're building these places. My favorite Metrodome story, there's a couple. The first one was John Gordon was the the play-by-play announcer for the Minnesota Twins. He was with a guy named Herb for many, many years. But I got to go up and watch this guy do a play-by-play broadcast. And he had a very unique style. And the amount of knowledge these play-by-play people have in their brain for statistics and other things, they're rattling off stuff that happened 40 years ago. I remember on a Tuesday night, you know, in 1938, when the wind was at 17 mile an hour from the north and -and so-and-so threw a curveball. And you're like going, Jesus, how do you know that? Uh, but I got to witness play-by-play, and I'd never really done that before. And then uh, the next uh, thing was I went to a U2 concert at uh, the Metrodome, I believe, and somebody threw up on me. <laughs> you know, I, I got one more dome story. I got to tell you, I took my son. He was he was probably nine years old, my oldest boy, and we went to watch a Twins game, and uh, Seattle was playing. And that's when you had Ken Griffey Jr., and you had Omar Vizquel, which was a 5 five golden glove player. And so we're, we're sitting there and we're on the third baseline and I, I catch a fly ball and it's from Omar Vasquel. Well, Omar Vasquel back then, he was nobody, you know? And so my son says, dad, can we go in the back with the buses and can we get him to sign the ball? And I'm thinking, well, he's never going to sign the ball, you know? And he, oh, come on, dad. I said, well, it's late. You know, we got to get home. You know, you got school tomorrow. And no, 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 dad, let's go back to the buses. So we went to the back ramp and we're sitting there and they got these barriers there and we're sitting there. My son's sitting there and he says, oh, dad, I know they're going to sign the ball. And I said, well, don't get your hopes up. And so the buses are there. All of a sudden, someone comes out and they move those barriers. Well, the buses drive down. <laughs> for the tunnel and they put the barriers back where you can't get to none of the players. So we're sitting there and this guy pulls up in this red sports car and these two hot babes are in the car with him. And he, he's sitting there talking to my boy and he says, who are you waiting for? My, my son said, Omar, you know, he hit this ball and, and I'm going to get him to sign it. And he says, well, here, hand me the ball. I'll, I'll, I'll get him to sign it. And my son said, oh, I ain't giving you the ball. You know, you, you went about to get rid of that ball. And so all of a sudden, kid. yeah, you yeah, don't know this guy. Yeah, you don't know he's this just guy. slick Rick with the blondes and his uh, convertible <laughs> yeah. there. He's a hustler. Yeah, he's a hustler. You don't know. So here all the players start coming out and they're getting on the bus. And, and the thing that you don't realize, I think, as a fan, when these guys are dressed up after the game and you don't see them with their hat or you don't see them with their uniform number, you don't know who they are. They all look the same. We, yeah. I, I couldn't tell you one player from another that was getting on that bus. All of a sudden, one guy goes around the bus in front and then he comes off to the side and his buddy weighs him over. And it, and here it was, Omar Vasquez. And I would have never have known. I, I wouldn't have known him from, from you know Adam and Eve. So he sits there and he, he grabs grabs the ball and he signs the ball for my son and got taps him on the shoulder. The guy opened the, uh, the red car opens up the trunk and he has a poster of Omar and he signed the poster for him and gave it to my son. Omar gets in that car with those two chicks. Bam. Off they go, buddy. That's my good story. The dome. That's a great story, Ron. That's a, yeah, it was awesome. It was, it was a great experience. It's also a good point that you can really just get anybody to sign that ball for your kid. Yeah, it, maybe it wasn't Omar. You're not going to know the difference. <laughs> yes. Uh, it was Mickey Mantle, honey. <laughs> I know this. Uh, you know where those buses park where the players get in and out of the stadium? I went there one time also looking for autographs, and I bet I saw 15 hookers. <laughs> right? Oh, that's that's where they the were hookers. also looking for autographs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A, a DNA autograph. <laughs> they have a little black book. That's for the autographs. <laughs> yeah. I have a question for Ron. Yeah. yeah. When you vacation in Panama City, Florida in the winter, you have a metal detector. And didn't you find something pretty valuable 
last year. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. You know, uh, when I was getting ready to retire, I wanted to make sure I had enough things to kind of do and and do. And I and I kind of like you know hunting for gold a little bit, doing some prospecting and stuff. And my brother likes that and things we can do together. And so I bought a couple metal detectors. And so I take it down to Florida and I go down the beach and you know you you find you find all kinds of things. I found cars, you know, little tiny matchbox cars. And I found 70 tent stakes because everybody just leaves their little tent stakes sitting out there and couldn't tell you how many bottle caps, but I come with a big bag and I collect all the garbage and everything. And so for three years, I've been going down there and finding belly button rings and nipple rings and little, little <laughs> How do you know the difference? How do you know what's the nipple and what's the... Well, the belly, it, 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 they'll unscrew and they can slide in and the oh. nipple rings just kind of round and they got funky little things on them. And okay. so it's not like a regular ring or a toe ring. So I found some toe rings. And, and and of course, I've asked other people what what they think it is. And this year I was down, there's a place called Pineapple Willies. It's by a short pier and I'm down there. And so uh, I'm metal detected. It's about 1030 in the morning. And all of a sudden my detector's going off and going off. And so I'm digging underneath there and I get down about a foot and a half and i come across this gold necklace and it's a beautiful necklace it's uh, 14 karat gold and and I, I i love it i don't wear jewelry but i do wear that um so it was very impressive my wife said oh let's go to the pawn shop and let's let, let's get it checked out so i checked it out they said that gold price is back in last november it was about 1500 worth of gold he said he'd sell it he'd sell it for 2200 and then we looked up online and the average average stores that that was going for about 3300 for it so uh, you know and, and to your listeners i really don't recommend going out and getting a metal detector because it's like a once in a million find it's 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 but you do find stuff and i and i did find the necklace so uh the, the chain so i'm really happy and uh and if you're going to go out and buy a metal detector Good luck. Like when we were in Destin, Florida, Ron was in Panama City. So it was about a 50-minute drive up a very busy freeway. Uh, and what we do is we would meet in the middle. He found a cigar shop in between the two cities about halfway that happened to be owned by country music star Luke Bryan. And I like Luke Bryan, and my, my wife P-Jug loves Luke Bryan. I've taken her to see him twice. She thinks he's great. She thinks he's cute, whatever. So I go in to the humidor and I said, okay, do you have anything that I really haven't smoked before just to see if there's something new? And uh, she goes, well, have you had one of Luke's cigars? And I go, no. I said, how are they? Mild, medium, full bodied? And she said, oh, you know, they're kind of mild to medium. And I go, that's about my speed. So yeah, I'll take one of those. And my wife had ordered a wine and a cigar. And uh, Ron and I, I took a, a cigar out and we were smoking outside the, you know, in the breeze, the ocean wind, breeze and all that. And then here comes P-Jug. She said, here's your cigar. She goes, man, she goes, those are pretty pricey. And I go, how much was it? She said, $38. And I go, for a single cigar? And I smoked it and it was terrible. It was a terrible cigar for like $38. You know, that's and the surprising thing you would have thought that maybe on the on the little tube that it came in, that maybe it had been autographed or something or a picture of a guitar or something, something to keep safe, right. but, but it didn't even have that. And, yeah. you know, Ron and I have smoked how many cigars together? Probably a thousand. Oh, at least. And here's the thing, you know, Ron started smoking cigars at age what? You know, I, I used to chew tobacco and, and I had a friend die of mouth cancer. And so at a very young age and he didn't chew very long. So I gave up chewing, I mean, gave up chewing when I was 32. And so started smoking cigars about 34. Yeah. I probably started smoking cigars when I was uh, on and off late twenties. And, you know, I've, I've tried to cut back. I'm down to two a day for the most part, but still, I mean, that's still like three, four hours of smoking a day. <laughs> you, you know, I, I got a question for the ladies. You know, I, I got to ask this that, you know, do you think a lot of ladies enjoy smoking cigars as much as men? I mean, do, do, do any of your friends or what, what's your thoughts on women smoking cigars? Yeah, I think it's great. If women like to enjoy cigars. I, yeah, why not? 
you know, you know, I, I see more and more and I see more and more cigar clubs and then they have certain nights for women. You know, there's some establishments that have a guy's night out where you can sit there and have a cigar and brandy. And, and now they're starting to have women nights out. Not just, I, I mean, I was just curious on, on how many women were really into that and cigar smoking. I know, and a lot of people probably don't know the history of cigar bands, that uh, cigar bands were originally put on cigars for women uh, back in the days where women wore white gloves and didn't want the nicotine and from the from the tobacco leaf to get onto their white gloves and stuff. Oh. So, so I don't know if you really knew that that kind of history a little bit about it. But that's really where those where those uh, cigar rings really came from. The one I'm kind of digging right now that's a little too expensive from Downton Abbey. There was a castle called the Higher Clare Castle. That is uh, the name of a cigar that's really amazing. When I started buying them, they were four bucks. Now they're like fourteen. So people must like them. Uh, you know, Ron had a hell of a employment status. He started working when he was just a kid in Tucson, Arizona, at an airport. Tell him how you got started with the airline thing, because he's had this wild ride of employment. You know, it's it's funny because when I was growing up, we were very poor. Um, we, uh, there's a reservation called Sanavir Indian Reservation. And we used to go out there and pick up aluminum cans and, and bottles. And that's how we bought our school clothes. So when it got to age and where we could actually go to work, um, I actually applied at a company called Sky Chefs. Sky Chefs is a catering company back in the days. I believe they're still in business, but back in those days when they give all the food and they'd have, you know, all the entrees and you'd get lasagna and you'd have knives and forks and, you know, you'd have a real meal on an aircraft. And so when I got out of school at, at three three o'clock, I would end up being at the airport at three 30 and working till 11 and, and I was washing the dishes. It, the trays would come in and you'd pull the trays out from the containers and the, the, you'd put the, the ceramic oven dishes into a, a wash bin to soak and then the cups would go here and the silver would go there. And then they'd go through a washing machine. And then I ended up being a driver when I was delivering food out to the airplanes. And then I ended up uh, with a, a guy who was working out the airlines and asked me if I wanted to clean small aircraft. And so I started a, a, a small business when I was 18 called Ron's Aircraft and Helicopter in Tucson. And I did that for a year when a company else in aircraft services come in. And since living out in the desert, um, out in Arizona, where the climate is is nice, normally nice during the wintertime, the aircraft were always getting washed. Uh, your major airlines would have wash crews subcontracted out. So this big company came in with big boom trucks and washed equipment. And then they asked me if I would be interested in running their wash crew. So then I started running their wash crew. And then when I did that, they asked me if I was interested in working on airplanes. So this is Elsinore Aircraft Services. So I started working with their mechanics and, and we we're doing contract maintenance for the airlines. And that's how I, I built up my time uh, with the FAA. You had certain amount of time built up working on aircraft. If you don't go to school, if you have two, three, four years of experience, um, you can go to the airlines or something like that to get more experience. Uh, I actually went to Elsinore, I mean, Evergreen Air Center and was working on engine mechanic there. And then I went to Waco, Texas. That's when I lived there for a year and I finished up my licenses there. I was working on the KC-10 project. Those are the aircraft refuelers that you see when they refuel the aircraft in the air. Uh, I was a supervisor there working on those aircraft. Um, but then I flew out, I had my time in, I flew out to Oklahoma City uh, to the FAA out there, Spartan Aviation, which is a great aviation school. And I took my test out there. You got a power plant and airframe test. So you have to take an engine test and you got to take an airframe test. And so I passed that. And then I went on and did my, my oral, my practicals where you have to show that you know what you're doing. I got my license. So then that brought me up to Minnesota working for uh, Northwest Airlines. And so that's kind of how I worked my way in the back door without going to school and the you know road to hard knocks and ended up having my licenses and being successful with the airlines as an airline mechanic and went into inspection from that point so and then he started uh, you know the business with the bouncy houses and that thing blew up so to speak <laughs> a little humor there yeah uh, <laughs> but you know if you stop on any given weekend and you drive around any suburb you're going to see these bouncy houses and how many of those things were you operating at the same time quite a few I saw a market to where we had, uh, which is 
great for Minnesota. We have a lot of, of corporate corporations here. You got Best Buy, you got Target, you got, you know, big, big corporations. So a lot of these companies, 3M and them, they have a lot of divisions. So they throw a lot of, you know, company picnics and stuff for their families. So I started a rental company and I started it here in Lakeville and um, I grew it up to where we had, well, I was actually the biggest rental company here in Minnesota for that type of bouncers. We had a Ferris wheel, we had a tumbleweed, we had tents and chairs. And, and I, I had at one time over 40 bouncers and obstacle courses. And we did a lot of the fairs. We did the taste of Minnesota. So we had a lot of, a lot of things going on. My, my goal for that was an insurance policy is that I built up that company so that if something happened to my airline career, I could walk right into to this company, have this company up and going. Um, the economy was great. Uh, my goal was to have a lot of assets with it. I had a warehouse, trucks, uh, and we turned around and sold it when the economy was really good. And uh, so that that gave me an opportunity to, uh, you know, pay off the kids' college, the house and all that. But uh, it makes it sound like I did all this myself, which I certainly didn't. I, I couldn't have done it without my wife's support. My wife ran the office and my kids helped with the business. They were older in high school and stuff. And so uh, I got them to thank for us being successful. It wasn't just just me that did it. It was certainly a family business. And my last name's Moore. And, and so we named the company More Fun. It was a great company. Kids loved it. It, it did what it needed to be done. And so, uh, you know, I, I feel I kind of lived that American dream, you know, where you own property, you, you sent your kids to school, you, 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 you had a business. So I, I feel like I've, I've actually lived that American dream. Well, and he retired at 55. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did retire at 55. And, and it's one of the best decisions I think we've ever made. Um, and my recommendations to people are that um, you may not have all the money in the world. And but you, if you have your health and you're able to get away, you might have to give up a little a little bit more, but it's well worth uh, getting out and retiring while you can. We would like you to share this podcast with somebody you love. Even people you dislike, that might even work out better for you, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just share the podcast with people you like or dislike. Uh, check out our website, moonpjugandhobs.com. If you want to write us on Gmail, it's moonpjughobs at gmail.com. Do you have any shows coming up this week, Hobbs? I do. On Saturday, I will be at Cracked Barrel Winery in Hudson, Wisconsin. You should come, Pjug. Oh, okay. It's outdoors, Moon. You could social distance and you can smoke cigars, chopper on. It sounds like it might be a date. It's a beaut it's a beautiful drive. It's just a little bit outside of Hudson. So cracked barrel winery starts okay. uh uh the bar. Well, the bar is open during the day too. It's a winery, but uh six thirty the comedy show starts. That's episode twenty-one. It's time to end the podcast. It's time to shut off the mics. It's time to end the podcast and get a thousand likes. You need to share this podcast with friends in cars or bikes. It's time to end the podcast and get a thousand likes. Why do you always listen? I guess we'll never know. A fat guy in a wheelchair. What the f*** does he know? It's time to end the podcast. It's time to get some likes. Go to your computer, type it in, and you're gonna win. We are out of lyrics in Boopy Jug and Hobbs. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, yeah, It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo. Let's put this show out of its misery. Ha, 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 ha.